We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the July 16th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. Uh, joining me today, Jeff Hasley from FootballGuys.com. Uh, Jeff is a fellow member of the Charlotte Fantasy Football Mafia, for one. And um, he's with Football Guys, and we talked this time last year, and I always enjoy bringing in fun, smart people for the preseason. And Jeff's here with me again. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, summer is in full uh, effect. Uh, it's definitely hot out there, but of course, with heat comes closer to football. So I, I guess I'll take it. Yes. What do you, what do you what's your take on uh, since we're in Panther country? I know we're, we both like the Panthers. What's your take on the new owner so far? I like him. Uh, he seems like he's really down to earth, kind of like a, a guy's guy. I mean, he's someone that I wouldn't mind uh, you know, sharing a, uh, an appetizer with and drinking a beer with, <laughs> you know, just, just kind of um, feel like you're in the presence of greatness. But at the same time, I don't think he really acts like that, which is wonderful. I, I think he's going to be uh, a, a big, huge piece of the, of the Charlotte community, for one, not just the team, but the whole community. Uh, really kind of elevate the city. 
But as far as the team is concerned, uh, I mean, I, I can't think of anything that he could be doing differently that I would be looking for. I, I agree so, with you. Uh, I'm really pleased, and I'm looking forward to you know his tenure, however long that is. I hope it's a long, long time um, as as the owner of the Panthers. And and everybody, just for a little background, um, we all, everybody in Charlotte here, heard David Tepper, the new owner, at a press conference on Tuesday. And um, just for some context, I don't think Jerry Richardson had a press conference for the last seven years. So it's interesting <laughs> to actually hear the owner speak. I know Jerry had some health issues and forget all the other stuff. I don't want to get into that. But um, you right. know, he, he was reclusive in that way. And um, so it'll be yeah, this guy seems interesting. And, and it looks like down near where you live, Jeff, we might have a new practice facility with a whole bunch of other fun stuff. I know. I heard about that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, my ears perked up when I heard about that. So, you know, Rock Hill's Football USA. So many yes. different players from Rock Hill in the NFL. So I think that's going to go a long way. I don't know exactly how that will translate to uh, Rock Hill area high schools. And will they have a chance to you know participate in such a, uh, uh, a facility? You know, but wow. I mean, that's 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 big news for me. All right, folks, um, for the non-Charlotte people here. Well, actually, we're going to do my first question for Jeff's going to be about the Panthers, but it's relevant to people who don't live in Charlotte. So I'll stop, we'll stop boring you after the first two minutes with the Charlotte chatter. <laughs> um, last year, we had a little fun talking about Christian McCaffrey. Um, yeah. I gave you a little grief because you, you compared him to Marshall Falk. And I'm not trying to poke fun <laughs> here. Um, I, where, where are you with – like I, I'm looking at this. In addition to me thinking, I, okay, I like Christian McCaffrey, the player. I mm-hmm. think Christian McCaffrey at eight overall was a bad pick. I think that the Panthers thinking that they needed an early down back this offseason made me think more that it was a bad pick. What do mm-hmm. you think we are going to see from Christian McCaffrey, the newly bulked up Christian McCaffrey in year two? Yeah, right. Um, well, I, I guess getting back to the eighth overall pick, I think he is a talented and safe pick. Uh, meaning that he also has a good head on his shoulders. He has a good NFL pedigree. He's one of these intelligent-minded uh, players, you know, kind of like the Luke Keekley of the offense. We've heard that before. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you have to put uh, take that into consideration with that pick. Not only was it uh, – I mean, perhaps it was a little bit high for a, a pick for him, but think about all of the intangibles that goes with that too. And there's a lot of safety involved, right? You don't have to worry necessarily about him uh, with any off the field issues or he, I mean, he's just a, uh, a safe, talented pick. And I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. Okay. Do you, do you think we're going to see more? I think what, what we saw, what I, the, the biggest thing I didn't like last year, look, I think the guy's, gonna, he's probably going to catch 80 passes, right? Great. Last year, toward the end, he ran well, but what I felt that I saw was he was down at first contact all the time. Was, was that, did you see the same thing I did? Yeah, a little bit, but I think that also had to do with uh, you know, how he's kind of being used. Okay. I mean, it, it's hard not to like any player who has 80 catches, uh, which is why I kind of re- compared him to Marshall Falk. I mean, I knew the receptions were going to be high, and Marshall Falk, what made him so good was he was a wide receiver uh, accruing fantasy points as a receiver, but he also got him as a running back, as a rusher. And we, if we look at McCaffrey as a wide receiver who gets points, who uh, occasionally gets rushing yards, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Right. Uh, especially if those rushing yards uh, tend to 
uh, improve on, in year two. And that's, that's something that I think is going to happen this year. I think we'll see a little bit more uh, in terms of uh, yards per carry, uh, a little bit higher on the, on the, the total carries amount. Um, 80 receptions, though, might be a little bit difficult to come by, especially with some of these changes on offense. Yep. He doesn't necessarily have to be the main guy. Plus, you got Greg Olson uh, returning, who's going to steal a lot of that target share, uh, as well as DJ Moore, who, like McCaffrey, is going to be a monster around the line of scrimmage. So, you know, when it comes to smoke routes, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be McCaffrey. It could be Moore. And I think that's going to take a toll on his reception total. But... Uh, and, and he actually may wind up having lower numbers in year two than, than last year. But, um, you know, I think, I think he's still a solid option. And, and like I said, you have to look at him like a receiver yep. who also will get rushing yards and uh, p- potentially rushing scores in addition to his points that he gets as a receiver. So if you look at it like that, mm-hmm. I, think, I think McCaffrey is, uh, is an excellent um, running back two, I wouldn't necessarily have him as a running back one in, in fantasy terms, but uh, he's someone you can just insert into your lineup and, and just let him go, and uh, he'll he'll do more good for you than bad. So in in PPR, I'm looking at the the MFL ADPs, not the MFL tens, but the uh, just mm-hmm. the ADPs in my fantasyleague.com. In PPR leagues, he's the 11th running back and 20th overall. Sounds like you think that might be just a tad aggressive. It may be a little bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, who's around him? Who's the player in front of him and behind him? Uh, Melvin Gordon's in front of him. Behind okay. the three, okay. be, the four behind him are Mixon, Freeman, McKinnon, Howard. Oh yeah, see, I mean, that's kind of right around his right. wheelhouse. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily want to have multiple, multiple shares of McCaffrey. I kind of like to mix my my shares around. Uh, so I could see myself having a Devontae Freeman in, in, in one league versus a McCaffrey in another, you know, if everything's equal. Uh, right. But, yeah, he's, he's, right, he's right around that area. And um, I, I don't really see a drop-off. I just kind of see a, a little bit less per, potentially, especially as a receiver uh, this year. Because there's more mouths to feed, basically. So, right. okay. Right. All right, folks, um, check us out on Twitter before we move on. Jeff is at Jeff Hasley, H-A-S-E-L-E-Y. I'm at Help 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire, get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or find us on Facebook. And remember, um, starting this week, we do four podcasts a week from now through the end of the regular season. So uh, during the season, it'll be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, during the rest of the summer, before the season kicks off, it'll be four. I'm not sure which days yet. Probably Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then one of the other two days. But four podcasts a week, so, so make sure to keep tuning in. All right, one more Panther thing. Uh, I was looking at your Scott Fishbowl team. You picked Cam Newton in round three, um, fifth quarterback off the board, which I think is, is, is a perfectly logical pick. How do you think, you talked about DJ Moore, um, you have him added to the mix in Carolina, and, and probably more importantly, you have North Turner, an offensive coordinator. How do you think Norv in particular impacts Cam? <sighs> that's that's going to be interesting to, to see, uh, because we really don't know. I mean, we've heard the fact that North Turner likes to uh, open things up a little bit as um, uh, you know his quarterback's throwing downfield more often. Um, but also making uh, timely, accurate passes uh, that have, you know, that maybe closer to the line of scrimmage. And, and of course, that it goes right into McCaffrey and DJ Moore's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think 
Nord is going to help Cam be more of a, be a better pocket passer, be more aware. Uh, perhaps uh, if if Cam can can uh, can improve on anything, it might be just like the intangibles of his game, being able to read the defenses, which we've already seen. Uh, we've already seen him uh, take leaps and bounds for, uh, in that regard. Um, I, I think maybe just you know an overall better all around quarterback as opposed to someone who has to rely on his athletic ability, uh, which we saw a lot of last year with over 700 yards rushing, uh, which made him the third ranked quarterback in fantasy, depending on the format. But uh, I I think Turner is going to help his overall um, cognitive sense, I guess, of the quarterback position from a mental sense. And yeah, that's kind of what he needs, and I think, and I think his receivers will will benefit from that. Okay. Do Do you think the the one thing? I mean, I, I'm not going to claim to be a huge tape watcher. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I could. I wish I did it more. But um, nor, deeper drops with Norv, right? Is is one of the things that one of the alarm bells I've heard people sounding about Cam. Yeah, you mean like not necessarily out of the shotgun, but taking like a right. five-step, seven-step drop on Yes, yeah, seven uh, steps is what I've been hearing people saying. Yeah, this is sort of a – it's different because the game has changed to shorter drops and, and Norv is kind of a, yeah. a, you know, old school that way. Yeah, and if that's the case, we could see a lot of play action. Yep. Uh, where you could have uh, Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore or Torrey Smith, you know, bolting down the sideline. And the, one thing that Carolina has is speed. And uh, that's not something necessarily they could say a couple years ago. Right. Um, so I think that's going to have a big effect as well, especially if if the running game is so potent that defenses won't know what what to uh, expect. All right. Um, one other thing about Cam here. I'm looking at these ADPs again. And I said, you, mm-hmm. you, you pick Cam fifth off the board. And I think that made sense. You know, maybe fourth, third. I can rank him somewhere like that. The, this Deshaun Watson stuff is starting to drive me batty. I, he's ADP wise, he's second. I like Deshaun Watson, and I I see the ceiling. We saw the ceiling last year, but mm-hmm. how, how could you? I I don't see the logic taking Deshaun Watson ahead of Cam Newton. I know what if if I get mm-hmm. the rushing impact from Deshaun Watson that I've gotten almost every year from Cam Newton, I would be very very happy. But I know what I'm going to get from Cam that way, or I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson. Yeah, maybe. I think I get it. I don't know. I hope so. He could. And p- passing-wise, I mean, you know, touchdown regression, all that with Deshaun. I mean, that's, that's obvious. He can't sustain the pace he was on last year, throwing three touchdowns a game. But I, I don't understand how you could look at those two guys and pick Deshaun Watson in a redraft league. I actually think that they're both pretty close. Um, and uh, I have, I've seen Watson ahead of Cam. I, I actually have, I have Cam ranked third and Watson ranked fourth, but I mean, it's very close for me. Um, Watson, he has that it factor, that it factor that Russell Wilson has that ability to make plays. And the fact that Houston completely changed around their offense to kind of cater to more of a Clemson style of attack that uh, Watson is more familiar with and comfortable with. uh, That says a lot, a about um, uh, O'Brien and the Houston staff. Bill O'Brien, um, in addition to what Deshaun Watson can do. We know that he's a, a, a good passer. Uh, he's got talented players. Uh, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league. 
um, and, and Watson himself has the ability to, to run if needed. So you've got that aspect of fantasy creation. So I think that we could, we could see the, the exact same Watson that we saw last year. Um, and if that happens, look out because here's a guy who could have 30 touchdown passes and potentially 400 to 500 rushing yards with like five or six touchdowns on the ground. Uh, I mean, that, that right there is going to put you in the top three. So yes, it would. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on Watson. I really am. And the fact that he's coming off of an ACL injury. Yeah, sure. But you know what? He tore his ACL as a freshman at Clemson and, and uh, the next year he came back and he led the team to national championship game, which they lost to Alabama. But, uh, and then the next year they, he came back again and this time they won it. So, I mean, he is, he's seen adversity before he's overcome it and he's overcome it with flying colors. So, I, I don't have any reason to doubt his ability to perform well. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm fine with him. I like him. I just think if you're going to ask me, I, I, I take Cam every time over him because I think he's a short, he's a safer bet. That's all. But all right. Yeah. I, and I think Watson has more of a chance to have uh, an increase or, or more touchdown passes than Cam. That's I think fair. he's just a better, a better quarterback. Plus he has, he has DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. That's a huge piece right there. It is. Um, and uh, Watson, I mean, Cam is at most had what was it, thirty-five touchdown passes in yes. two thousand fifteen. And other than that, he so, never thrown more than twenty-four. I, I see. I, yeah. I, I, I see that. Right. Right. All right. So, um, all right. So I was looking through your Twitter feed. I always try to look through people's Twitter feeds before I talk to them to see if there's anything in the conversation. <laughs> you okay. seem to be pretty high. I'm actually going to pull up the ADPs for running backs again. You seem to be pretty bullish on Ezekiel Elliott. And it's not like people are down on Ezekiel Elliott. But mm-hmm. you've got this big four at running back. And the way it's going is Gurley's going first. And the other three are kind of, you know, mixed up. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I look at them, right. especially if I'm looking at PPR and I say, look, I, I, Zeke's actually a solid receiver. But he's probably going to catch fewer passes than the other guys. And then I also look and I say, all right, on one hand, he's the, he's the only game in town on the Cowboy offense. But he's also, I mean, it, of those four running backs, I mean, people, if they're going to load up to stop any one of those backs, it's going to be Zeke. Do you, does that worry you at all? Like, I, I feel like the Dallas offense is going to be so one-dimensional. And I'm not, I'm not a Dak hater, mm-hmm. but I feel mm-hmm. like Zeke has got a, I mean, boy, the receiving court is just bad, Right. It, it, like, is, is Zeke going to run into you – know, it's, it's, it's a cliche that, oh, he's going to run into an eight-man front. But, I mean, Zeke's not going to have a lot of room to run, is he? Yeah, that's the concern, right? A lot of people have that concern with, uh, with Elliott and with Dallas. I mean, what are they vacating? 219-something targets as a result of Witten and Des Bryant mm-hmm. moving on. And, uh, of course, they added Ellen Hearns and they added Michael Gallup as a, uh, as a rookie receiver. But, I mean, that's not filling the void of Witten and Bryant. Um, so my take is that I think that Dallas' uh, passing offense is going to take a, st- uh, a step back. I don't see all of that um, vacated targets being filled. That void is not going to be 100% filled. That might be 65% filled, right? So that means that right. they're going to have to run the ball. Well, in Dallas's case, they happen to have one of the better offensive linemen or uh, uh, linemen, offensive lines in the entire league. So that they have that going for them. 
Um, and Elliot has shown that I mean, he's, he's young. He can handle the wear and tear. Uh, he can handle the, the multiple carries. He is a, he's got a nose for the end zone when he gets down to the, the inside the five yard line. Uh, I just think that he's going to get a ton of carries. I mean, yeah. he could potentially have 280, 300, 320 carries. It could be a DeMarco Murray type of season. And what was that back in 2014, 15? I forget which one, when, when he had that super, uh, impressive right. year. 390, right. I can see, yeah, it was something close like that. I can see him having that type of role. And, uh, when I, I was, I was ranking, uh, Elliot pretty high, especially for the, the Scott Fishbowl league, which awards, uh, points per, uh, first downs rushed. Right. So, I mean, he's going to get a lot of carries and with those carries, I mean, if he gets a 300 carries, probably 150 of those are going to be first downs. That's so, I true. mean, that's that's a lot of extra points that you might not necessarily get from another running back. Plus, he's also going to get catches, too. I mean, we already talked about their receivers not necessarily being that that uh, deep or that strong. So, I, I like Elliott, and I actually currently have him ranked fourth. I have him behind Todd Gurley, behind mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell, and, and behind David Johnson. Okay. But for the Scott Fishbowl League, I had him ranked second. Got it. Uh, b- behind Gurley. So, um that's what was kind of uh, in the mainstream topic over the last couple of days with Twitter and, and week, uh, which is why I was high on Elliot. And I still kind of am. I am. Okay. But, you know, I'm not necessarily – and I, I could move him up to third and, and maybe even second just with the questions that Le'Veon Bell has with his wear and tear. And um, granted, he's only been in the league since 2013. It, doesn't it seem like Bell has been in the league for like 10 years? It really does seem like that. <laughs> I love that <laughs> guy. A little known fact, though, on Le'Veon Bell, he's never had double-digit rushing touchdowns. I did not know that. Um, and that's something that Elliott has. That's something that David Johnson has. And look at that. That's something that Todd Gurley has. Um, now, I mean, I'm not going to discount Bell because he doesn't have that, because he has so many other uh, um, attributes, right, as a, as a receiver and his ability, the carry numbers. I mean, I I don't know. I I'm a little concerned because he's holding out and there's a possibility that he could have a hamstring, a calf injury, an abdominal strain, whatever it might be once he comes back. Um, and, uh, you know, if he doesn't participate in training camp or in the preseason, you know, that's just, that's, that's not good news. It's not good news. Um, and so I have a little bit of a pause there, but Le'Veon Bell is Le'Veon Bell. Right. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, now that he's coming on, in addition to already having Antonio Brown, I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns to fill. And that's another reason why he probably doesn't have double-digit rushing touchdowns is because they're throwing to Antonio Brown at the five-yard line as well. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I'm, I, we've talked a lot about uh, Elliott and Bell, and, and Johnson's right there with me. I'm a little concerned about um, how David Johnson is going to be used without Bruce Arians. Yeah, you got Mike McCoy in there as the offensive coordinator. You've got a defensive-minded coach and Steve Wilkes, head coach. That is, how are they going to? Are, is he going to get, you know, all of these touches and the receptions and carries that he did, you know, a couple of years ago when he absolutely flat out dominated in 2016? Uh, so that's a little bit yet to be determined. But I mean, he's still a workhorse and a beast. And, uh, you know, I think he deserves to be within that top four, top five ranking. 
And if I was going to, and again, I, I didn't want to sound like I was beating up on Zeke. It's just as far as the top four, I, I have him. I, I think I've got him as a solid four. Definitely PPR I do. But um, devil's advocate on Zeke, it, last year, 10 games, he averaged 125 yards from scrimmage per game. And nine, and yeah, got nine and he touchdowns. had seven touchdowns. Yeah, and it's not like Des Bryant was good. So, <laughs> right, exactly. You know, he was Des, actually he, he had nine dead. touchdowns, seven rushing. Yeah. Um, all right, folks, listen up, fantasy fans. If you love fantasy football, then you need to be playing best ball on my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. Um, it, draft is season long, but with no management, just set it, forget it. Draft. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically selected, and you get the best score every week, guaranteed. Never worry about injuries or last minute benchings ever again. It just picks your best lineup every week. You can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes. You can join one right now if you want. As soon as you listen to this, just download the draft app, and, and you can get it fired up. The best part. Play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3. There's a league for everyone. And this year, they're running out a $1 million best ball tournament. Just enter the best ball championship, draft the best team, and you could win a piece of a million dollars in prizes. There's no salary caps. It's just a real-life snake draft, just like you play with your friends in your season-long league. Come on, join me on draft today. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to have some leagues uh, and, and play with all the listeners. So, so I'll have more details on that soon. You can download that, the app anytime. Just search draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on draft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code WIRE. That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using the promo code WIRE on your first deposit on draft. Just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and come play for free with the promo code WIRE. Thanks a lot, draft.com. Check it out now. All right. Um, back to the Cowboys for a minute. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Dak. We mentioned the receivers. Someone's got to catch the ball. Who is it? <laughs> uh, well, like I said, I think that instead of being able to fill 100% of the void left behind by Jason Witten and Des Bryant, I think we're going to see a reduction of that. 70%, 65% of that void will be filled. But I, I think the, the, the top guy that I like is Alan Hearns. I think he's a good veteran presence there. Um, I, I think he's going to be the one who uh, uh, inserts himself as the leader among the receivers a lot of people like Michael Gallup, the uh, the rookie out of Colorado. Um, I don't know if if if, uh, if a rookie can come in and, and make that stand, especially for a team like Dallas, right? You know, a lot of people looking at you. There's a lot of um, uh, media, of course, and, and um, expectations are high. I mean, you're the Dallas Cowboys. I, I just think they're going to turn to uh, Hearns in that situation. I like Hearns. Um, I do think Michael Gallup is a decent rookie to target if you're targeting rookie receivers later in the, in the deeper rounds. And Cole Beasley for me is kind of a wild card. I'm not really sure what to expect out of him. I know that he's capable of, uh, of uh, you know, 60 receptions in that slot role or at least, a, you know, a minimal uh, uh, receiver role. But, um, man, it's, it's someone's going to have to step it up. And Terrence Williams is Terrence Williams. I don't think I think we've seen his ceiling. Uh, so I think Hearns is the guy to own. But at the same time, it's very possible that this passing offense doesn't have any more than you know three hundred, three thousand five hundred yards passing. They're, they just might be a, a poor passing offense, and I think we should understand that and, and consider that when we're looking at fantasy uh, options. Okay. Um, so Dak is. On the QB ADPs, Dak is 18th. 
So he's squarely in the QB2 range. If you're drafting, mm-hmm. when you're drafting second quarterbacks, whether it's a two QB or super flex league, or if it's, let's say, a deep league where that kind of, you know, some leagues you probably only draft one, but let's say it's a league that sort of, you know, it's structured so that drafting two is a smart idea, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your strategy on the second one? I mean, maybe it depends on the first one you get, but... Do you, do you go for an up-and-comer? Like, let's say, I'm, I'm looking at the ADPs. Patrick Mahomes is the guy that jumps yeah. into my head. Maybe Mitch Trubisky. Or, or, right. or do you go with the old reliables? Like, I'm, I'm looking at the ADPs, and I go, man, Matt Ryan is getting no respect at all. And Philip Rivers, you know, yeah. I know he's even older, but some of these guys, you know, sometimes I look, I go, I think I might take the safe guy. How do you approach it? Yeah, I generally wait a little bit of time to take my first quarterback. And if I do that, I, I generally like to turn around uh, and maybe a, a pick or two picks later and grab my second quarterback, especially if I'm closer on the turn. I've been known to take two quarterbacks on the turn and have it be, say, like, uh, uh, I don't know, Philip Rivers and... Um, Mariota or uh, Roethlisberger or... Yeah, Marcus Mariota, something like that. I was thinking like Tony Romo, but that's like a couple years ago. <laughs> uh, anyway... Um, and, and to have like two decent quarterbacks available, especially if it's a best ball league, I really uh, I like that strategy. But um, if it's uh, if it's a you know a season long league, I might you know take like two possible um, uh, options, you know, like for example, Jimmy Garoppolo and Pat Mahomes. Having one, having both of them secures the fact that you probably will be able to hit on one of them, yep. which isn't necessarily a bad option. Um, and in this day and age of quarterbacks, where you can get a decent quarterback at quarterback fourteen or fifteen, uh, you know that's that's a risk I'm willing to take. So I don't necessarily have to have a Cam Newton, a Deshaun Watson, a Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees. Um, for, for my quarterback in, in my drafts, in my leagues, because I know that I can get close to or similar production uh, a little bit later on and the possibility of striking it rich with a quarterback like Mahomes or like Garoppolo, who you mentioned, who could take off. And we saw that clear as day last year with Carson Wentz. Yep, that's so, true. Uh, and, and Jared Goff. It's there. It's, it's, it's there. And um, the, the strategy of waiting is the strategy I usually like to uh, – Use. Yeah, I do too. And I feel like more people, I was talking about this with someone last week, that more people are, more people are starting to wait. Um, you know, it's one, looking at one more thing about the ADPs, you know, you, the, the comment I made earlier about Cam and Deshaun Watson, you know, look, I understand that people disagree about rankings and, and, and picks and things <laughs> like that. But some things I look at, and you know, this, this is the time of year where we get excited about potential. I think some, you know, I think some people get too excited and, and I can tend to be the, the, uh, uh, maybe it's the way I look at myself. Maybe I try to be overly safe or logical or whatever. And logical is not the right word because everybody thinks they're logical. But I look and I go, all right, I kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. But yeah. picking Jimmy Garoppolo ahead of Matthew Stafford, who throws for 4,200 yards every year, I go, really? Yeah. I mean, wh- why? I-, I like it. I get it. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he might be really good. But I know what Matthew Stafford is. You know, I don't know. It's just that, yeah. Those things puzzle me a little bit. That's all. And with Detroit, you got a new coaching regime now, so it yeah. may not necessarily be run and gun, shoot the ball. That's uh, true. You know, with uh, Matt Patricia coming in, Patriots, uh, you've got that whole philosophy of change. So 
Um, things change all the time. Uh, Detroit is a non-rushing football team. That could change that could with change. this new and and carry on Johnson, who you, uh, I know that someone that you like is someone who could benefit. Not to necessarily get away from your uh, itinerary here, but sure. um, uh, he's someone that is a, a wild card for me, simply because people aren't thinking, oh, you know, Detroit, the running game's not that good, and um, you know, there's that stigma. But with the coaching change, I'm telling you, we could see a difference right away. And um, it could have effects on Stafford in a negative way. He may not necessarily be the gunslinger, um, you know, that we've come to uh, love and expect. Uh, but I don't think that necessarily goes away. I just think that they could run the ball more. And if they're running the ball more, they're going to be passing less. So um, that's just something to think about. That's fair. Okay. Um, I want to, speaking of quarterbacks, I want to ask you, uh, about some teams with rookies. Who on these mm-hmm. three? Who starts more games in Cleveland? Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield? I'm leaning Tyrod Taylor right now. Yep. Uh, I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland has so many players who are just really close to being on the verge. Right? You've got Baker Mayfield. You've got David Njoku, Nick Chubb, uh, Antonio Callaway, their rookie receiver that they drafted. Heck, even Josh Gordon, you could even throw into that equation. <laughs> but I think Mayfield kind of hangs back and he learns for a bit. As long as Tyrod Taylor is functional and an intelligent decision maker on the field, I think he's their guy. And if they're winning, he's definitely their guy. They'll, they'll sit on, on Baker Mayfield. I have a feeling on that. Now, if Tyrod struggles, then it's open season. And uh, we could see Baker Mayfield as early as week four, maybe even week three. I don't see him starting week one. Uh, I think this is Tyrod's position to lose, and I, I think they're going to stick with him at least for the for the for the beginning. Okay, and yeah, I, I'm with you. The, the, the weird thing about the Browns, you, your reflex on the Browns is to say, "Oh, whoa, when they're two and six, they can make a change." Well, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually yeah. not bad. Um, and they've got let's see, they start Steelers, then at Saints. That's tough. Then home for the Jets. Then at the Raiders, then home for the Ravens, home for the Chargers. They, so four of their first six are at home, and then they go to Tampa. They sound like a four and three team yeah. or a three and four team. Right. They kind of do. They're they're but not going to be struggling that much. We'll it doesn't seem. So. No, and and uh, Cleveland is, is uh, an enigma, uh, kind of like how Jacksonville was an enigma last year. And I kind of see some similarities between the two teams. They've loaded up on certain positions, whether it be the draft, Cleveland more so the draft, mm-hmm. Jacksonville more so on free agency. And they just hit on their free agents with Jacksonville. Um, and, and Cleveland, I think, is close. They're very close. And they have to get that first win under their belt, and I think it's going to become contagious. I think we could see a 4-3 and three Cleveland team or potentially a 3-4, and four, which would be a step way up from where they were. I, I got to tell you, I'm really, I, I keep saying I'm as excited to watch the Browns as I am anybody else. Just, just yeah, because I mean, if they're finally good, it'll be such a fun story. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, next up, Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson? <laughs> John, the quarterback I'm most excited about is Lamar Jackson, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, he is an absolute steal as a quarterback three if you're in deeper leagues and uh, you know just a guy that you can stash and just wait on. Uh, we already know he can run. He's, he's an excellent runner, but he also has a pocket presence. And I would say even more so than – 
uh, the guys that are kind of in his category throughout NFL history, like Michael Vick, Vince Young, Robert Griffin, Cam Newton, even Deshaun Watson, right? All those guys that I just mentioned, they all had decent success, if not top 10 success as a rookie. I, I think Vick took a year before he really took off. I don't think his rookie year he played much, but his second year he was the star. Um, but if Lamar Jackson shows some flair in, in the preseason, I, I think it's just uh, only a matter of time before John Harbar, Harbaugh, Harbaugh uh, won't be able to contain himself, and he'll have to start him just simply because he wants to see what he can do. And to me, Jackson is that type of player. Not only can we see that you know, we see it in his rushing ability, but as a passer, he's pretty darn good. Yep. And in college, I mean, he's just he's got that. You know, we, we, we talk about it factor, right? He just knows how to, and Vince Young had this too, before the wheels came off. Um, he knows how to make plays, how to get yards, how to, how to move the ball. And uh, Lamar Jackson is, uh, is just, uh, he's a, just a freak athlete with the ball in his hands. And I am really excited to uh, see what he can do this year. I, I hope that the leash on Flacco is really, really short and that they give Jackson a chance because, I mean, just think about it. All these guys that I mentioned, Vic, Vince Young, Robert Griffin, Cam Newton, all those guys had a, a really strong, good rookie or, or second year. I think Vic was the only one who didn't have a great, great rookie year because he just wasn't used that. I right. think when they still have uh, Matt Schaub, I'm trying to remember. Oh, um, who did they have? Was it Schaub still? Was it Chris Chandler? Was that far that far back? Uh, it was like 2002 or 2003 with his rookie year. So you're going back a little bit there, but, um, but either way, I mean, players with that type of ability do well in fantasy and Lamar Jackson right now, you can get him as your quarterback three easily in a deeper league, of course, and just wait on him. Just wait on him. If you have a, a roster that's 20 deep, wait, get him and wait on him. Jackson is, is my uh, is my guy to target in the late rounds this year. All right. And by the way, 2001, it was Chris Chandler, 14 starts. Michael Vick had two starts for the Falcons. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Good job on you. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> um, last one, Sam Bradford or Josh Rosen in Arizona? This is tough, but I'm going to take Josh Rosen. Oh, okay. I mean, we, saw what Sam, we saw what Sam Bradford did coming out of the eight last year, right? He was pretty strong. And then he got hurt. He fell back down to earth real quick. Um, and, uh, you know, he's going to have to show me quite a bit to, uh, to get, let me believe that, you know, he's going to be under center for a while. I just don't see that. And I also think that we'll see a very, very confident Josh Rosen. We've already heard what people are saying. Uh, we've already heard that he's off the charts when it comes to football intelligence and knowledge. He did really, really well on the wonder lick, right? I mean, if, if that's a, a, a measuring <laughs> stick, right? But, um, he just has that football smarts. There's the intangibles that I was talking about before. He has that. And he doesn't strike me as the, uh, as the type who's, who's going to come in and, and struggle. I just don't see that. I, I see him as the type who's going to come in and not have very much ramp up time at all. And right. I think he's going to lead his team. I think he's going to do really well in the preseason. And I think we're going to see him potentially even start week one. Wow. Um, but I, I think that he could – uh, uh, at least have an opportunity within um, the first like, four or five games, especially if Bradford struggles. If they if they keep Bradford at quarterback, Mike McCoy, or, yeah, Mike McCoy is going to be the one who you know decides 
what we're going to do here. And um, I, I, have a, I have a feeling it's just going to be Rosen. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how an underrated skill is being able to make the throws you need to make. Everybody wants to look for some yeah. other skill for my guy. And you got a smart guy who, makes the, who basically makes the throws he has to make. He just can, he can make the right throws. Maybe, maybe he doesn't throw the greatest deep ball ever, but it's fine. And all the short and intermediate throws, he's just fine. He's just, he gets it done. And yeah. everybody wants people just, I don't, I don't know why people want more sometimes that, that from quarterbacks. I mean, I know you can dream big on people, but dreaming big on a guy, I don't want to go down the Josh Allen rabbit hole again, but you know, <laughs> like Josh Rosen, you look, you go, yeah, he can do what I need him to do. Perfect. All right, folks, yeah. listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Okay, we're going we're gonna to run through a list of crowded backfields. Um, we might not get to – I have seven here. We might not get to all of them because I don't want to go too long. I haven't gone a little long, Jeff, on these podcasts lately. Went over an hour with someone okay. the other day. It's, you know, I, I want to make it reasonable for people to listen to. So we're going to try to keep it to 45 minutes. So let's go through a few. Okay. Uh, crowded backfields. I just want to hear how you sort of see things shaking out and you know, maybe who, the, who a winner might be that people aren't seeing as a winner. And, you know, hey, maybe people aren't appreciating player X enough, stuff like that. First one is New England. Um, Sony Michelle drafted mm-hmm. late in the first round. They still got Rex Burkhead. They still got James White. Um, the, the the way it worked last year was interesting because Deion Lewis was really good. Mike Gillisley, who was the hot guy at this time last year, just didn't do anything. Um, how do you think the Patriots' backfield is going to work out? Oh wow, boy! If I knew this, how much money could I win? Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. No, I think it all it all comes down to Bill Belichick's outlook for what he has for Sony Michelle. If 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 he's ready to take on all aspects of the ground game, he could be one of the better rookie backs this season, without a doubt, right? If they if they decide to lean on him and make him their Alvin Kamara or, or whatever, but that's not necessarily the New England way, right? Right. Um, New England is all about roles and doing your part and playing your role and making sure that you do your thing. And they also have some proven players and, and, and Rex Burkhead. We, we, he's proven already to be a good red zone threat. Uh, uh, he scored, uh, I don't recall how many rushing touchdowns, but uh, six or seven rushing touchdowns last year, I think maybe. Um, and, uh, and Deion Lewis, of course, you know, he's gone, but you still have James White. So, honestly, I think that Rex Burkhead is the guy who is the marathon runner here for the team that you want, and not necessarily Sony Michelle. Even though, as a, from a dynasty perspective, I, I really like Michelle, but in redraft, I just don't know. I don't know yet, and it's okay to not know. Right, but if you don't know, if you're, if you're, Michelle Michelle is now going. I'm looking at the ADPs here in MFL. Sony Michelle's is the 19th running back off the board going 47th overall. And if you don't know, and and it sounds like to me what you're saying, we don't know how it's going to work out, but based on the way people are drafting, you and I, I think, are probably out on Sony Michelle at at the the draft cost right now. Yeah, exactly. Because in order to get him, you have to spend a relatively high pick that may not necessarily work out in your advantage, especially if Bill Belichick decides that as a rookie, he's not quite ready. He doesn't know the New England way. He needs to first uh, pay 
or, uh, he needs to go through a few rites of passage before he can receive the big, uh, the, the big recognition, you know, I, whatever. Um, I just think that there's some question marks there that we have to take into consideration. Okay. Next up, we mentioned the lines earlier, so let's go back to them. Speaking of crowded, that's a crowded one. Um, I mean, in, in name, basically, there are some people I don't think we have to worry about. We've, we got Blunt in there. We've got Karrion Johnson in there. We've still got Amir Abdullah in there, right? And, uh, and Theo Riddick, who's always you know, a pest to anyone who wants to draft another Lions running back. What, what do you think happens in the Lions backfield? Well, like I said uh, before, I think that I think we have to take into consideration that the Matt Patricia regime will change things up, uh, will yield more rushing opportunities, and with a guy like Carryon Johnson, who they can bring in and showcase, I think that he, I don't. I'm not a Legarrette Blunt guy. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of fantasy running backs who are bigger, more more of a plotter back who does not catch a lot of passes. Right. So that's two strikes against me there, or against him, and uh, not good for my team. So I tend to to shy away from those types of backs, and, and Blunt is one of them. I don't know what we can expect from Amir Abdullah. We don't even know if he'll, he'll be on the team. Right. Theo Riddick is, is Theo Riddick. He carved out a role. He's a receiving back. He's the Chris Thompson. He is the Tariq Cohen. You know, he's the, uh, we want to call it a change of pace back. That's what he is, right? I, I don't see him as a lead back. Carrion Johnson is the, uh, the prototypical lead back. And that's who they have. And I think the, he's going to see a lot of opportunities. Now, the question is, can they be a team that sustains a running game? And that's what we've seen from Detroit in years past is, hey, they might have some talent, but they're not sustaining their running game and they're passing the ball all the time, as evidenced with Matt Stafford's 600 pass attempts and, you know, that, that happened to be uh, more frequent than other quarterbacks. So if that changes, the landscape of, of Detroit running backs could change. And the one who's going to benefit – is carrying on Johnson. So, and um, uh, so I mentioned here to Theo Riddick, you know, Theo Riddick could play that Deion Lewis type of role. Uh, if Matt Patricia decides to employ the same type of offense that New England did, right. Uh, which he's familiar with. So why wouldn't he? Right. Um, but then again, it's not necessarily his offense. It's still uh, what Jim Bob Cooter. It's still Jim Bob Cooter. Still Jim Bob Cooter. So in that sense, the offense may not change, but it, I mean, it just depends on how much we don't know. We don't know what Matt Patricia is going to say. You know what? Let's change things around a little bit. This is what I've learned. This is what uh, I have, how I have found success with New England is, you know, controlling the game, having, you know, a quarterback make timely, accurate passes, um, but using that ground game to control the offense and, and to, you know, limit what the other team does. So um, who knows? There's definitely an opportunity for carry on Johnson though. And I think he's an excellent value, especially at the ADP where he's currently at. Okay. Um, actually that ADP for context right now I'm looking at is late sixth round ADP. So yeah, and that's, I mean, like, I would rather have a guy like a Lamar Miller there. Yeah. Absolutely would. I would right? too. And Lamar Miller is another one of the running backs that I absolutely love. Great value. I am not at all worried about uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, right. you know, who suffered a torn Achilles back in week 11. 
last year. We're not talking about like week one, right. week two, week three, week 11. I mean, that's an injury that's hard to come back from and especially hard to come back from as a running back. There just aren't very many running backs at all who've come back from an Achilles injury. There just aren't. Right. There, there are not. So um, I would not be surprised if he's on IR, if he's on the pup list to begin the year, uh, and he doesn't even suit up until week eight, week seven, whenever he can come back. And even then, he's still a huge, huge, huge question mark. And that makes Lamar Miller someone who is definitely um, someone that I'm looking at. Folks, if you've been listening to this podcast since I started doing them in early June, I think we are still throwing a perfect game on people recommending Lamar Miller in the mid-rounds of your drafts as a running back who's being unappreciated. I think <laughs> I think it is a perfect game. So just keep that in mind. If people, your friends aren't listening, they're Lamar Miller's sixth round. Boy, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, last team I want to ask you is the Browns. So they certainly invested mm-hmm. a lot in the running back position. Um, they signed Carlos Hyde. They drafted Nick Chubb. They, re- Chubb. they re-signed Duke Johnson. Now, Duke certainly got a different type of role than the other two guys. But, um, I mean, mostly between Hyde and Chubb, what do you think is going to happen? Well, this is interesting, right? Because my gut leans towards Carlos Hyde. And we know Duke Johnson's going to play that roving receiver role. Um, and Hyde is going to give way to Nick Chubb from time to time, especially if they decide that Chubb is worthy of these short yardage uh, opportunities. You know, he might get a couple touchdowns here and there. Uh, you know, and if he does well, we actually may see more, act, more uh, production from Chubb. And, you know, Cleveland has – they've had an abundance of, of picks lately, especially – high picks in like the first, second, third, fourth rounds. And it's almost like they're in a situation where they don't know what to do with them. It's kind of like when they took Nick Chubb, like he's an excellent example. If I could give you an analogy here, it's like, it's like buying a car only to find out that like six months later, you won a car in a contest. Right. And you're like, Oh, what would I do with my old car? You're happy with your car that you bought, but but boy, that new car is nice. It's nice looking. It looks great. The engine sounds wonderful. (laughs) And, you know, if, if, we, if we continue to play out this analogy, what do we do? We probably drive the new car, right? Right. Yep. Provided, you know, there's no issues with it. You know, it, it runs nice. It looks nice. There's no mud. Uh, we, we tend to drive the new car. I kind of think that might happen with Cleveland is that, hey, Carlos Hyde, here yesterday's news. <laughs> yes, you can fill a role, but Nick Chubb, you're our, our shiny new Corvette that's just waiting in the garage and we want to take you out for a spin. And, and you know what? We can't wait to see your engine rev and, uh, you know, score those touchdowns, get those extra yardage and all that. So I actually can see Nick Chubb um, taking over that role, but it might not be until like a week five, week six type of thing. And um, imagine, imagine this, imagine Carlos Hyde having like a huge week one, week two, week three, even, and Chubb is rarely used, right? So someone decides to drop him for the flavor of the week. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Now Nick Chubb becomes a value. And, uh, you know, if they decide that, you know, they want to take that car out for a spin, um, they may not want to get back into their old car. So I, I can kind of see Nick Chubb being the guy who – elevates that team and might take it to a, a new level. I mean, we'll see. He's got that type of talent, that type of pedigree um, uh, in the uh, in the FCC 
Uh, we've seen what he can do against SEC defenses. So, um, shoot, man, I don't know. I, I kind of like Chubb. And talk about ADP value. What's his ADP right now? Because he's an excellent player to do uh, stash. Nick Chubb's ADP is – where are you, Nick Chubb? Hold on. He's actually going ahead of Kerry Johnson. He's going sixth round two in MFL. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. I thought maybe he might be like seventh or eighth round potentially, but um, yeah, I, 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 there's some value there. There's some meat on the bone. Right. Um, and, and Chubb's just the type of guy who could come in and and the reason why he has value. If there was no if there was no Carlos Hyde, we would be talking about Nick Chubb being right there with like Saquon Barkley. I think. Wow, that's high. I really there. think. Okay, but yeah, he's good. I really, agree. Seriously. Because if, if, if Hyde was not there, Chubb's value, oh, I say his value, but his placement, his ADP is much higher than what it is now. Yeah, So absolutely. the fact that Hyde is there is kind of like the, uh, is, is the, is the value finder, right? Um, and makes Chubb a, a value later on. And, and so, especially in a, deep, in a deep league where you can stash him on a bench rather than get itchy to cut now him. Imagine, imagine what happens if Carlos Hyde hurts himself just like uh, Spencer Ware did, you know, like right at the tail end of preseason. Jackpot. Jackpot. Yep. Exactly. So that, that right there makes me think that Chubb is the guy who uh, ultimately uh, is the difference maker for the Browns this year, if, if I had to guess, right? All right. Because everything, ha- everything changes. Hey, man, what, NFL, you, right? what, what else are you going to be working on this summer? Uh, well, every year I run the footballguys.com mock drafts, you know, where our staff has several drafts with different formats and styles. And we, we do the drafts, we analyze them, we learn what, you know, what some of the key decisions were. And we kind of convey that story to our readers and uh, descriptive, informative article, a write-up that kind of covers all bases from the draft. And it's, it's, we, we try to make it so it's not so much how each of us did in the draft, but how we can analyze the moves that we made, the decisions that we made, and kind of teach our readers what we learned. And uh, when we do that with all of our drafts, I think we're going to do 11 or 12 drafts this year. Uh, nice. That's a really big piece. And it's one of my favorite uh, pieces to write for the site. So, uh, and this year we're introducing other writers in the industry to compete with us. Uh, just as I, you know, as you know, because we invited you as well. Absolutely. And uh, we hope that you, uh, you know, participate with us if it's not in the first, you know, couple drafts, maybe later on. But, um, yeah, I mean, when we get these other people in the industry, uh, you know, that kind of in- introduces a, a new blend or a mix of different opinions and decision-making that, that, uh, that might be more commonplace when, you know, we've got the, some of the same people on our staff drafting. So it, it, it adds a little bit of uh, change um, to the drafts, and, and we like that. And anything that we can, you know, take in terms of opinions – um, thoughts and um, decisions that people make and turn that uh, ink to paper and put that in front of our readers and our subscribers, that's a, uh, that's a huge plus because that's what we're all learning is how to draft and drafting the team. And, and when you have multiple people who are skilled at this and uh, who are doing this for your benefit, you know, it goes a long way. And uh, I'm really excited to be writing those. Yeah, I love that stuff, and I'm looking forward. Like I said, yeah, you, you, I emailed you guys last night. I can't, I can't do the first few. I'm definitely looking forward to being in one of them. Jeff, thanks a lot for doing this with me tonight. Um, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. I think we have a draft together in August, so I'm sure I'll see you at that point. Yes, 
Sounds good. All right. Thanks, John. Everybody, if you like this podcast, please, we'd appreciate it if you leave us a review and a rating. Again, Jeff is at Jeff Hasley on Twitter. You can find his stuff at footballguys.com. You can catch me on Twitter at jhoppin37. Folks, thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by Draft.com. Our next show is going to be on Tuesday, July 17th. Go check back then. For Jeff Hasley, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.